welcome you, and uh, we've got a very special treat for you today. Today, I'm going to introduce to you uh, a young man who loves the Lord with all of his heart. He came to the United States from Nicaragua when he was just a teenager with Youth with a Mission. And he began to serve the Lord and work in missions and reach out and do some different things. And uh, he came here and uh, with our church, Spanish church with Pastor Ricardo. And uh, since then, he has worked hard and he got his green card. And then he continued to work hard and then he got married. And then he's got two beautiful children. And you know what? Now he is the newest citizen of the United States of America. And uh, he aced his test probably better than most of you natural born could have done. And uh, we're so proud of him. Pastor Elias Martinez uh, is not only our worship leader along with his beautiful wife, Chrissy. They have two children, uh, Alexander and Juliet. I call him Mr. And uh, they also take care of our youth ministry. And they are doing a fantastic job. They have such a love for our teenagers. And they do such a wonderful job on Wednesday nights. And I know today he is going to bless your heart. Would you put your hands together and welcome Pastor Elias Martinez. Man, after that introduction, I have to do good. So lower your expectations. <laughs> and let's pray together. Father Jesus, we thank you today because you are good and you are with us. Uh, we open our minds and our hearts to you, God. Conquer our hearts, change our minds, and teach us your ways. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in our hearts and our minds this morning. And we just thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. So, since I had the mic, y'all got to do what I said. So, I'm going to ask you to do a few things while I'm preaching. Not too crazy. We're still in church. But, um, but you got to do it. Um, I want to, you know, officially welcome my friends, Ronnie and Marilyn. They're all the way here from Pennsylvania and Oregon. I meant to ask you if that's where y'all are originally from. Um, but the first time I came to the United States, uh, they flew me over there to Oregon. They took me out to Mount Hood, and um, their kids made me eat yellow snow for the first time. It was fun. <laughs> Didn't taste right, though, but it, they were all laughing. They had a good time. They got four boys, and they're really cool kids. Uh, I met them for the first time back in 2001 in Nicaragua. They came to an outreach there, and they had uh, their youngest boy, Luke, was a year and a half, and he loved Nicaraguan dirt. That boy eats dirt all the time. That's why he's so smart nowadays. So if you want your kids to be smart, take them to Nicaragua to eat dirt. Um, I don't know if that's how it works, but uh, I'm just saying. So then, um, while we were there, you know, God did amazing things through them. They, uh, we have gone back to Nicaragua together plenty of times. They're like, we don't want to go without you. It's like, okay, let's go. Any excuse to go back home. So uh, I welcome my friends, Ronnie and Marilyn, here. But this morning, I want to talk to you about Jesus. Is that okay with you? I want to talk to you about my Jesus. Because it seems to me that nowadays... We are presenting the good news to the world, but the good news are not so good. And people have this idea 
of followers of Christ as crazy cuckoos or like nonsensical, non-practical gospel, whatever you want to call it, and people don't want to follow Christ because we are presenting Jesus that is not in the Bible, okay? And I'm going to start by giving you an example. You guys remember when Jesus was crucified. Most people are familiar with this story. And there was two men that were being crucified at that time. And the, the Bible describes them as thieves, as felons, like we will call them nowadays. And they were about to be hanged. And one of them was like, well, if you're Christ, why don't you just get off your cross? I mean, you, you say you got all this power. And the other dude was like, calm down, man. This man deserves to be here way less than we do. He hasn't done anything. And Jesus looked at him and said, you will be with me in paradise today. I think that's what the scripture said. So these two people, they have a different perspective of who Jesus was. And in plenty of times, this happens to us because we live busy lives, we work, we get up, and we, we raise our children. And a lot of times, we lose sight of who Jesus is. And so, we, we get confused, and then, as parents, if you get confused about who Jesus is, you're going to transmit that idea to your kids. Am I correct? Because we multiplied who we are. See, we don't multiply what we said. You can say a lot of things. In fact, there's people that talk so much, but say nothing. But you only multiply who you are. And so, um, a lot of times we expect our kids to do as we said, but really, they're going to do as we do. And it's a scary thing, because I can think of myself when I was three years old, and I was bad. I'm talking about bad. And so Alexander is doing pretty good <laughs> compared to what I did when I was three. I was killing the neighbor's chicken. And, and we didn't even eat it. <laughs> and so that was bad, right? Uh, he hasn't killed anything. But he loves killing the ants, though. I say, ants are bad, especially fire ants in Texas. So then we multiplied who we are. And then that, that just goes alone and alone. And it becomes a chain reaction. And it's amazing. I saw a picture this week, and he had a bunch of matches line up. And he says, the power of separation. So four of the matches were light up, but one of them was lower than the others. And he stopped the fire right there. So a lot of times, as church of God, we got to separate ourselves. So what do we do? Well, Jesus says that we are in this world, but we're not of this world. Amen? I'm not saying blend in, just follow the crowd. And I'm not saying get out, don't go to the world, don't go to work. Tomorrow, we're all sleeping in. We're in church strike, don't go to work. That'll be exciting news for me because it's supposed to be really cold. And so I work outside, I'll be like, oh, for that. Well, the preacher said that. Wait, I was the preacher. I got to get up and go. So no, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying do what Jesus said, do what Jesus did. I'm not of this world, but I live in this world. 
Okay? And this is how the world will know you are my disciples. How was that? The way you love one another. And then he said, love one another like I love my church. So what did Jesus do for the church? He gave his life. See, a lot of times, me and Chrissy were talking and we're like, man, what were we thinking of having kids? That just really sucked your life out of you. I haven't slept for like four years. <laughs> but they're so amazing. They just say, uh, Alexander J. Starr is saying, I love you. And it's the cutest thing. He said, Daddy, I love you. And so he called me Daddy because of Peppa Pig. They say that cartoon is bad for you, but they speak British. So it's really cute that your kids uh, learn how to talk like that. Um, the benefits of bad TV. <laughs> Uh, sometimes we're really bad parents, and sometimes we're really good. Uh, Chrissy is good all the time. I'm usually the bad parent. Uh, but it, it, it's, it's amazing the joy that kids bring to you. So when I was reading the scripture, love one another like Christ loved the church. And before I have kids, I'm going to be honest to you. I had the kids at youth group. We've been doing youth ministries for over 14 years now. And I thought... I don't know if I can die from one of these hoodlines. I mean, I love them a lot. I'll do pretty much anything for them. But I don't know if I'll die for them. Because <laughs> I still got a wife. So if I die, she won't have a husband. So, no, I don't think so. And that's in all honesty. Don't judge me for it, but that's just the truth. And so, but when I had kids, something changed. And I have, you know how crazy people, or just me, um, you do this uh, hypothetical situations. And I said, well, if someone came and tried to shoot everybody, will I jump in front of my kids? And then I, you know, recent comes in, it's like, well, if they kill me first, then I won't be able to protect them. So I should just like shoot them or something before they get to my kids. But then <laughs> the question is, will you jump in front of the bullet? And, and it was easy. I said, yes. Because I love my kids so much. So look around. Come on. I told you I had the mic. You got to do what I said. Look around. Will you die for the person beside you? And you don't have to answer because we don't want to offend nobody here. But just think about this. Will you die for the person beside you? If it's your family, you probably say, yeah. If it's not your family, you'd be like, ah. Maybe catch me when I get saved. Um, so that's the question. And so I, I had to answer in all honesty. And it was an easy yes. Because I love my kids so much. And the love of the Father is so great for us. And I've been praying this past year um, how to love better. How to love like Jesus. How to show the world the kind of love that only comes from God. And there's a few things that I learned. And it's a lot of times we get confused about who Christ is. And so as church, we want to portray plenty of times that Jesus was a nice guy. And he was pleasant. And honestly, I don't read a specific scripture in the Bible that says that Jesus was a nice guy. Jesus... 
He was, he was wonderful. He wasn't nice. He was wonderful. Everywhere he got, he changed things. He healed people. He raised people from the dead. He will turn your life around once you meet him. He's not just a nice guy. You guys remember Pilate? Uh, in Spanish, it's Poncio Pilato. I don't know how that translates into English. It's just Pilate, the Roman emperor or governor. Pontius Pilate, same thing. Look at that, Latin. And so then, Jesus got in front of him, and he said, I don't see anything wrong with this guy. He seems like a nice guy. And a lot of times, as church, that's what we preach to the world. Jesus is a nice guy. I can live with that. You know, he's no a savior. He can't be your Lord. He's a nice guy. And so the good news that we're bringing to the world is that Jesus is a nice guy. Is that good enough for salvation? Because salvation is a relationship that when Jesus comes into your life, he transforms, he wrecks you, and then he puts you back together in the right way. And a lot of us, we're walking our Christianity with this nice guy beside us. I'll do nice things. I say nice thing, but if you get me angry, mm -mm, I'll turn your table. I'll throw your taxes away like Jesus did in the temple. He get angry too. But Jesus is not a nice guy. He's wonderful. He's a counselor. He's the Prince of Peace, the Lord of Lords. Amen. And so we present this wrong idea of Jesus. We love to preach that Jesus is our provider. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus will give me money. He's my banker. I just ask him to write me a check and boom, there it is. But it doesn't work like that, amen? If you're sitting in your couch waiting for Jesus to write you a check, that ain't going to happen. Amen? Because he said he will provide according to his riches and glory. But he said also that we, we got to work. We got to do something. Faith without work is pretty dead. And some of us are pretty dead. In dead. Because we don't work. And we wait for somebody or something to send us a check. Without doing anything for it. And then we get angry at rich people because they have my money. Well, they get up at 5 in the morning and work till 8 at night, and that's how they have money. So they have no obligation to write you a check either. If they do it, praise the Lord. Send them my way. I need one right now. Amen? And so we, we, we got this idea of Jesus being the backer, but really, Jesus is our provider. Amen? He'll provide for our needs to the calling He had put in our lives. Sometimes we're doing whatever we want, and we just want Jesus... To just keep writing checks. Keep writing checks. But sometimes we've got to stop and see the direction that our lives are taking. And we want to show that to the world. If you become a Christian, you're going to be banked. Ha ha. Because at the church, the people, they just see you. You don't have money for your electric bill. Bam, bam, bam. You don't have money for food. Bam, bam, bam. That's not how it works. Amen. The Bible says take care of the widows and orphans. Take care of the needy. That's true religion. That's what we do. So if you see somebody in need, you're in no obligation to do that. But the Bible calls us to be generous, to be the light of the world. Amen. The church is supposed to do that. Not the government. 
No the affordable actor, that's not going to take of your health, because he is our healer. Amen? But see, a lot of times, we get disappointed, and we get into this sudden, depressed stage of life. I tried to apply for insurance for me and my family, and they wanted to charge me $1,000 a month. And I said, I'm just going to pray, because <laughs> Jesus is my healer. And so sometimes we're like so sad because, oh my gosh, this system is so messed up. Well, guess what? The biblical system is not messed up and it's available for you. Amen. Because He is our healer. He is our provider. But you've got to embrace that. You've got to believe it. Amen. And so I love some habits that are passed from generation to generation and my wife, every time we go to any uh, supermarket or Walmart or Taco Hill or whatever, and we, we're going to try to walk in, we have to find a parking spot. And uh, sometimes it's just hard. And you just got to be patient because you're waiting for that parking spot, and then somebody takes it. You just say, bless you in the name of Jesus. Um, but every time we go... To a place that requires parking, my wife goes, Jehovah Jireh, which means my provider. And she got that from her grandmother because she will say that. Um, I never heard it myself, but she tells me that. And so, Chrissy, it's funny. She's like, Jehovah Jireh, we got a parking lot. It's an exciting moment of our lives. And sure, our kids are going to catch on on that um, tradition. But it's beautiful when you experience the person of Jesus. It's something that you can multiply for generations to come. But you got to get with it. And sometimes we get distracted. We get too busy. We get too needy. We get too sad. And we miss out. Last year, it was a great year for us financially. God blessed us a lot. But towards the end of the year, we had a bunch of expenses. I mean, we had a kid, and, you know, they take your money. And so we, we struggle. I, I guess that's a strong word. But it, finances were really tight towards the end of the year, the beginning of this year. And, and there was a few times that I, I opened my little app on my bank. You know, we, we bank at Southside. This is not a commercial, but it's a good bank. Um, and so when I opened the app, it was in red. And I was like, oh, man, how am I changed that by the end of the day? Because <laughs> they charge you $30, it goes in red. Every time it goes in red. And so I, I, just, I was pondering and wondering, is there something in our lives that we're doing that, you know, it's affecting our finances? And I, I started praying. And I found myself praying more. Fasting more, seeking God more. And it dawned on me, there are things in our daily life to take our focus from God. And He distract us. And they are necessary things in our lives. But they can take over your life so much that you forget about the giver of life. The giver of finances. The giver of health. You forget about your provider. And at points I told myself. Well if I work more. If I work hard. That will be fixed. 
But that wasn't the principle to be learned there. The principle to be learned that is, no matter in what stage of your life is, your marriage. See, you never seek marriage counseling or scriptures about marriage and improvement in your relationship with your spouse until you go through situations that make you like, ah, oh, this could be better. See, you never experience seeking God for provision until you need that provision. So Jesus, once in a while, sends a little reminder to us and says, Wake up! I'm at the door and I know whoever opens it, I'll come in, I'll sit with you, and I'll have dinner with you. And sometimes it requires, because we're so stubborn, really harsh, in atrocious situations, to realize that we need Jesus in our lives. But I I don't want you to get to the point that you're just dead and broke. And you have cancer, and you have this, and you're in jail to realize that you need Jesus. If you're healthy today, take a minute to say, thank you, Jesus, for my health. If you got money in your bank, say, thank you, Jesus, for my finances. How can I bless others? Amen. If you're here today, and you're not in jail, but you should be. You should say, thank you, Jesus. Amen. I heard some. Amen. I'm a report, y'all. Just kidding. No. Do you understand the point of this preaching today? As a church, we got to grow in thirst and hunger for justice for Jesus. Because it's so easy to forget. We get so caught up. Oh, I'm healthy today. So I'm just going to chill because if I move, I messed it up. No. That's when you realize more that you need Jesus. Your kids need Jesus. And as a parent, you are responsible to bring Jesus to them. Because you're the closest that they'll get to Jesus right now until they get to a point that they make a choice of their own. So it's very irresponsible of you as a parent to walk away from Jesus because you're taking your whole family with you. And that is dangerous. Because that's how you end up sick, broke, in the hospital, in jail. And these are extreme situations just to picture this. But some of y'all might not be in jail, might not be in the hospital. But spiritually, you're there. Because you're stuck. You're feeling sorry for yourself. You don't understand the situation you're going through. And all Jesus wants to show you is that you need Him. And you ought to seek him. And I remember when I was young, I was in church. I started preaching when I was 10 years old. And uh, <laughs> it was funny, though, because the, the one preaching that I remember, uh, I went to uh, Apurisima, which is a thing that they do in my country in December that they honor the Virgin Mary. It's a Catholic thing, but they give you candy. So I went. And I had to preach that day at church. And so, but I was singing to Mary, your glory, da, 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 da. And then I got the candy. I was so excited. And right when I got my candy, my dad shows up. And he had a bell in his hand. And he said, you idolater, beat me. And I just went home, never went to one of those. And then I was preaching later on to the kids. Don't go to the Catholic Virgin. <laughs> I learned my lesson. What was the point of that? 
I don't remember. But I remember learning, if you want to get close to God, just go to your room, close the door, and just be there. And I was like, get on your knees. And I said, but what if my knees start hurting? Just keep praying. What if I need to pee? You know, kids ask a lot of questions. What if I need to pee, Dad? Just keep praying. The Lord will help you hold it. <laughs> I never pee on myself, though. But, but it was interesting. It's a sacrifice. We get this idea that we're always, like, looking for Jesus. We're searching for him, but he's not lost. You are. Did you hear what I said? You're not looking for Jesus. He's looking for you. He's searching for your heart, your mind, your whole self. And a lot of times we think that Jesus is lost. It's like, where can I find Jesus? (laughs) I should go to that nice church in 110. I'll probably find Jesus there. Jesus is right where you are. He's omnipresence. He's available to you. He's there for you. He's not just in your room. He's everywhere. He's at work. That's why so many times we suck at work. Because we think that Jesus is not with us. Because this is a terrible job. Believe me, the work that we do in construction is hard. We work outside. We get on roofs that are really steep. People fall. They break their legs or whatever. But something changes when the motivation that you do things is to honor God, you start working better. You have a better day. Days go by quicker. When you have Jesus inside of you, something good happened. You're not ashamed anymore of your old self. There's no judgment constantly coming to you. See, as church, we have declared ourselves as judges of the world. Oh, those horrible Democrats evil lovers, baby killers, whatever. All those Republicans, they're crazy cocos followers of Trump. We're all going to die. But the truth is, we're all children of God. And the Bible says, this is how the world will know that you're my disciples and the way you love each other. So you need to realize right now, whatever you are, if you're blessed If you're lacking, if you're healthy, if you're sick, if you're depressed, if you're just joyful, you need Jesus today. And the Jesus that you get in you is the Jesus that you're going to get out to the world. Everywhere you go, people have an opinion of who you are. And I've seen people saying, well, I don't care what people think about me. But Jesus does. And we're living your testimony to the world. People are going to see your imperfections. They're going to see the ugly of you. They're going to see the beautiful in you. They are exposed to all of it. And as church of God, we're supposed to love people in their lower point, the middle point, the top point. Amen? Amen. And just help them out. Raise them up. And get them closer to Jesus. That's our job. That's our obligation. We've been called to do so. So what is it that you need to do to realize that you're lacking Jesus in your life? What is it that you need, that it needs to happen? 
Do you need to be broke to realize that you need Jesus? Do you need to get a bad sickness in your life to realize that you need Jesus? I don't think so. I think we can do it right now. Amen? You don't want to wait for that. You don't want to wait until your child is in jail to, to, to tell them about Jesus. When you can now show them that you're following Christ so they don't have to go through that. And you're like, well, they're still going to make their decisions. Yeah, they will. But they got a better chance if they have Jesus by their side. And I know you're saying, just wait until your kids are older. No, I'm not going to wait until they're older. I'm going to do it right now. Because I know the possibilities. I've seen it. We've seen the same story with different characters. Teenagers ruining their life for one decision. Because. And I'm not saying it's the cause, but it was a big influence. They didn't grow up trusting Jesus. They didn't see their parents sitting at the table talking about the faithfulness of God. They didn't see the teachings of the gospel of the good news brought to them while they were at home. So now they're missing out. You're like, well, what do I do now? Because, you know, they're older now. It's not too late. The time to trust Jesus is right now. The time to realize the need of Jesus in your life is right now. Amen? Please don't wait. Please don't wait until you're sick, until you're broke, to trust God as your provider, as your Lord and Savior. Do it right now. If you're feeling far from God, it's your choice. Remember, He's not lost. He's there, available, present for you right now. If you're feeling that your life is just in chaos and you're stuck and you've been broke for too long, you need Jesus. You need to trust Him. And you're like, but I trust Him. My finances are the same. Well, keep trusting Him. And while you're waiting for His response, keep trusting, keep praising Him, keep growing. Because He's... Jesus, and He loves you, and He's available for you. Not just for the stuff that He can do for you, but for who He can be in your life. Not just your provider, not just your, your Savior, but He wants to be your Lord. So right now, I just want you to close your eyes. If there is any area of your life that you know you're not trusting God. If there is any area in your life that you know Jesus is not in control of, if your job is distracting you from Jesus, I'm not going to ask you to quit today. But I'm going to ask you to switch the direction, the motivation. Are you doing what you do for the money? Or are you doing it to honor God, to provide for your family and bless others? If you're here today and your marriage is just struggling. Are you following Jesus? Are you loving your wife like Christ loved the church? Are you loving your husband like Christ loved the church? Because he loves with the kind of love that covers multitude of sins. And that kind of forgiveness to be willing 
to die for you knowing that you were a sinner. That's the kind of love that he wants us to love our spouses. It's not that easy. I'm not an easy person to love. Remember, we're all broken here. I'm a broken person too. I just don't show it as much because I'm in this position that you look all the good stuff about me. But you don't see everything. I don't see everything in your life. But the truth is, we're broke. We are lost and we need Jesus. Father, we need you. We need you, Lord. We need you, Father. Close your eyes, please, and listen. Show me your face.
moment, I want you to open the altar. You'll keep playing. And if you need any prayer, I mean, maybe you didn't identify with this work this morning. But I just want to pray for you, for God to strengthen your faith. If you know there are areas in your life that you just need Jesus, which to be honest, this altar should be filled right now because I think we all need Jesus. So I want to ask you as a church, as corporate, to come here and we're going to just declare that we need Jesus. And if you don't feel like you do and you don't have that hunger, you don't have that strive, you don't have that motivation. I want to pray for you because you need to be hungry for Jesus. See, that's that's why we fast. So we can experience hunger. Because we live in a society, we live in a country that is rare the time that you have no food to eat. Amen. We're, we're so prosper. We are so blessed that we haven't actually experienced that hunger. So we don't know what it tastes like. We don't know what it feels like. But Jesus wants you to experience the hunger for His presence. The hunger for His Spirit in your life, in your marriage, in your individual life, in every area of your life, your finances, your health. You need to know that you need Jesus in your life. Know your will for our hearts and our minds, God. Open that hunger for your presence in the name of Jesus. Help us realize where is it? Where is it? That we just need to fill with Jesus more, God, in the name of Jesus. We come before you, we come to ourselves, God. Know it, God, that you are our provider, that you are our Lord, you are our Savior. And we have a need for your presence. And we want to be hungry, God. We're going to be hungry to a point that we don't have enough. We never get enough of you, God. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray that you'll teach us, God. Where is it that we need more Jesus? Even if we think that we're, we're doing good. And we have laid these things in the altar. But we still need more. We still need more of you, Father. In the name of Jesus, I pray that you continue to show us, Father, what is it in your heart for our lives. You projects, new ideas, our lives as it is right now, our finances, our health, what is it that we need to just get filled with your glory, with your presence, God, in the name of Jesus, God, thank you so much, because you are God that is presence, that is available, that is here now, that is personal, God, so I thank you, Lord, because what you're doing in our lives is greater than we can ever imagine, God, it's greater than we can ever dream, God, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, God, because you're available, you're not lost, you are there for us right now, right where we are, God. So we reach out to you, God, and recognize that our world needs you more than ever, God. More than ever, our world needs you, God. Because without you, we are nothing, we are lost, we are depressed, we are broke, and we are sick. But with you, we are delivered in the name of Jesus.
praise you. Today for the word, Lord, that you give Pastor Elias for us today, God, draw us, Father, closer to you. Father, don't let it take, Father, a traumatic event, a heartache, Lord, for us to draw close to you, God. Father, we just thank you and praise your name today. In Jesus' name, everybody said a big amen.